Welcome to Forward to the Future, a podcast of conversations on leadership and education administration. In our first season, we will be interviewing retiring superintendents who are members of LUDA, the Large Unit School District Association in Illinois. Our host is Dr. John Berkey, former teacher, principal, and superintendent. Dr. Berkey is currently the executive director of the Large Unit District Association of Illinois. And now, here is our show. I would like to welcome today Dr. Dan Coles, who is the superintendent of Wakanda, and uh, Dan is actually the retiring superintendent, is uh, going to be uh, leaving the superintendency this year, and thought is with our other retiring superintendents, it'd be a great opportunity uh, to learn some leadership lessons from Dan. So Dan, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on the, the podcast. So what made you uh, want to become a superintendent? Um, again, I, you know, the, the driving force was that I thought I could make a, a, a much bigger positive impact um, on the community that I serve uh, than the, the previous role. And I found that to be true every step of the way. And the last 17 years of, has, has proven that, that um, there, there is no other position in the school district that can yield a, a, a greater positive good than in the superintendency. Um, and I think that that's probably the most enjoyable part of the job um, is seeing something come to fruition that's going to positively affect the lives of, of many people. And that's, that's really exciting um, to be a part of. Well, and that's a really good run, 17 years. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's impressive in superintendent years, as we say. Um, you know, most don't, don't, don't make it that long in one district. And to have that stability and leadership in, in, in a district is so, you know, is so, is so important. So let's, let's look back on your career in leadership. And what are some of the, the big lessons, leadership lessons that you've learned that you can impart to our, uh, to our listeners that you've picked up along the way that have worked for you? Yeah. I think one of the, the lessons that I learned early on is you really have to focus on listening. Um, it's critical because uh, you're going to miss things otherwise. I think, I think sometimes leaders spend a lot of time talking and not a lot of times listening. And, um, and, and I just found that it, the, the more I listen, the more I learn and the better decisions that I make. Um, I think that that's really, really critical. The other, you know, there's other lessons. One of the other lessons that I learned along the way was when you can be as collaborative as possible uh, in terms of your decision-making, um, you just get a lot more support, a lot more buy-in. Um, and, you know, that, this is not a secret, but anytime folks think it's their idea, you're just gonna get that much more mileage out of it. Um, but getting to that point requires time, struggle, conversation, um, investigation and uh, collaboration in terms of decision-making just requires more time. Um, that's not to say you should shy away from making the big decisions sometimes on your own because sometimes it calls for that. And I think the art of leadership is trying to figure out what decisions you should engage in the collaborative process and which decisions are yours to make and yours to make alone. And that's something that you just kind of learn over time. Um, and I've certainly made my share of mistakes, but I've also made, had my share of successes along the way uh, with respect to that. Um, one of the other lessons that I've learned along the way is 
you know, try and take the high road um, when you get into situations with conflict. There's going to be conflict. If, uh, if you have an aversion to conflict, don't become a superintendent. This is the wrong job, yes. <laughs> it's really the wrong job. But I see conflict as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to possibly find out something about my organization that needs to change. Uh, it's my opportunity to form a relationship uh, with someone that um, right now may not be uh, liking what we do uh, here in my school district. But at the end of the day, take the high road. Um, you're going you're gonna to experience a lot of a lot of shots to the chops, a lot of a lot of kick in the shins, and you can't take it personally. You you uh, well you can, but it's never a good idea. Uh, vendettas are really great for movies, uh, but they're not really good for uh, being a leader. Um, it's just a giant waste of time. So try try and take the the high road. One thing that my brother taught me um, early on is when you get up in the morning, put your suit of armor on, go to work. Uh, do your job, do it to the best of your ability. And then when you get home, take your suit of armor off. Uh, because the role that you play as a leader, while you invest a lot of yourself in it, it's not really who you are. Really who you are is when you're with your family. Uh, it's when you're with the, the closest people in your life and the ones that love you the most. That's the real core you. Uh, you bring a different set of characteristics and skills and knowledge to the job. Um, and you should be able to separate that. I'm not always 100% on that because I do walk around thinking about my school district all the time. But at the end of the day, you have to come up with a routine uh, where you can separate yourself uh, from the job and be able to separate yourself from the emotions of the job because you're going to experience incredible highs and you're going to experience incredible lows. And uh, I know no other job like it. I really don't. Um, I've had some of the most joyous moments at work as superintendent, and I've had some of the saddest moments uh, at work as a superintendent. And um, you have to expect that. Um, you're dealing with the human condition and things are going to happen, uh, both positive and negative uh, during the course of your leadership. So those are the things that um, I've learned. And I think the, the, the other thing too, is it's something that my, my grandmother taught me um, and uh, uh, it was years ago when I became a principal and she said, you know, Dan, I think you're going to be really be going places in life. Don't ever forget the little guy. Um, and I thought about that a lot um, because everyone is so critical to the success of an organization. You know, don't get so full of yourself um, as a leader that um, you're the be all and end all. Everyone in the organization matters equally in terms of the success um, of the organization itself. And the point of service uh, where the teachers and the teacher aides uh, and the office staff and the custodians, they're the people, they're the real face of the district. They're the ones that are with the kids every day. They're the real heroes. They're the, they're the ones that are making the biggest impact. Um, there's a lot you can do as superintendent, but at the end of the day, they're right there at the point of service. and. They're, they're doing the most critical work. So how can you make their lives um, better? How can you help them do their jobs better? And that doesn't mean that you don't take on new initiatives. That does not mean that you don't you know, take on the new standards that are required to be taught, 
but there may be other things, other barriers that you can get out of their way uh, so that they can get back to the business of educating kids um, and forming really positive relationships with children because that's really the most important thing um, that we do in education is have really positive relationships with children. So those are the, those are the lessons that I've learned along the way. No, I think that's some, that's some great advice. And if I could build on one, you know, you talked about taking off the, the suit of armor, so to speak, and the, the, the work-life balance. How have you found, what, what works for you in terms of separating yourself even, even mentally from the job? Because every leader has to be able to do that or they'll, they'll be all consumed. What, what's worked for you to be able to do that? You have to make a conscious decision. Um, you really, you know, it's, it's really thinking about your own thinking um, and you have to realize that when you're doing it, um, there's been, I, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times where I've been home, physically I'm home, but mentally I'm not home. And um, I have to shag myself out of that. You really have to make a conscious decision to do that. You also have to schedule fun. That's really important uh, because this is a type of job where if you allow yourself you could literally work 24 seven, 365. The job never ends. Uh, it truly does not, um, but you have to schedule fun. Um, it's really, really important that you do that. Um, and uh, those, those brain breaks away from work are really, really critical. And um, you know, try and be as engaged as much with the people that love you as possible. And part of that is, is scheduling that time um, that's really critical with your family, with your friends, uh, to try and get as much balance as you can. Um, if you're going to be a superintendent, you're not going to have a balance. It's not going to exist. But you can strive towards a balance um, to, to sort of help yourself out and also help out the, the folks around you um, that love you the most. I guess I think that's some great great and very important ad advice. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows in, a, in your, your job, but in really any leadership job when you're leading a large organization. Um, when you look back on your, your leadership career, what's one of the most challenging situations that really stands out to you that you had to deal with and how, how did you navigate through it? <laughs> It, it was actually, uh, I will say it was my first year uh, as superintendent. Um, and uh, that was sort of the benchmark in terms of challenges. Um, my first year as superintendent, um, I was finishing up my, my uh, doctoral uh, studies, my dissertation. I defended um, my dissertation on October 7th. My son was born on October 15th. Um, on December 15th, my board decided to go for a $60 million building bond referendum, and we started the campaign in January, and we were successful by 105 votes in April. And then the real work began uh, starting up five construction sites. So that year uh, was, I look back on that, I don't know how I made it. <laughs> um, I was a much younger man, I think I had a lot more energy. And I was pretty idealistic at that point in my life. So um, probably a little naive too. So uh, that, was, that was truly probably the, the biggest challenge uh, of my, of my uh, leadership career. Well, it's ironic that you, uh, you spent your first year like that and your last year with COVID, and, uh, um, which I'm sure in so many ways has been equally as, 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 as challenging. So something that um, 
all of our districts, there are districts everywhere, are really recognizing needs a lot more focus is is equity. Yes. And, um, you know, I think districts that have a lot of diversity have maybe been ahead of other districts when it comes to that. But I think all are really rightly recognizing that regardless of what your your student demographics look like, uh, equity, diversity are, are so incredibly important. How um, do you think a, a, a superintendent uh, can most affect putting that at the forefront and, and making those difficult conversations happen? Right. I, I think uh, it, it's something that you, you definitely need support for and you need interested people to participate along the way. Um, so a district-wide equity committee um, is a really good first start. Um, I think understanding your obligation as a leader to try and make your school district as equitable as possible is sort of one of your charges um, as a leader. And what I've learned and um, uh, along the way is that uh, equity does not happen organically. It just does not. Um, equity requires work. Um, equity requires analysis of data, um, recognition of what needs to be changed, and trying to put things into motion to have those things change uh, within your organization. It doesn't just happen by accident. Um, it is something that you have to consciously work towards. We're doing that here in District 118, um, and we're right in the middle uh, of a lot of heavy lifting, uh, but it is joyous work. It truly is. Um, and I'm excited about the prospects of my learning organization as we move forward uh, with our own district equity committee. So um, I'm excited about that. Um, I regret that I won't be here for that, but I, am, I, I have a deep satisfaction that the work um, is happening and it's going to continue to happen in the future. Well, it's, it's such important work and it's great that, uh, the, that your district has really, uh, has really dived into that. When when we you look back at your career, I asked you about you know a challenging situation. You talked about the first year. Let me let me ask you on the flip side. When you look back at your whole career, what is something that you're just like incredibly proud of that you're like you were you were glad to have either been the leader of or part of a team that accomplished something? What would it what would that be? Oh my gosh, there's there's so many moments uh, across 17 years uh, that. That, that pop into my mind. I, I think one, one of the things that stands out for me is, is when we really made great strides to provide one-to-one um, -one, uh, learning experiences for our students. Um, there were many years my school district struggled financially and I saw districts around us being able to dive into that and provide one-to-one -one, uh, learning opportunities for their students, providing the devices, uh, having the, uh, the staffing to do that. And um, it was difficult for me to watch because we just didn't have the revenue stream for that. We would have had to cut other programs to try and make that happen. Um, then our funding formula changed. Um, and uh, right after that occurred, uh, EBF came in. And all of a sudden, we could do the things that we had wanted to do for quite some time. We had we had gotten everything ready. Uh, we had our uh, tech infrastructure uh, done. 
um, and uh, some of the staff development done, and we were ready to launch as soon as the dollars rolled in. And it was deeply satisfying uh, to have students have that access both at home and at school and start to change the way in which we were able to deliver uh, education um, in a much more, um, I think, progressive way. And thank goodness that all that happened because um, we were able to seamlessly move this year uh, to remote learning and then hybrid learning and then now fully reopening here um, in a few weeks while still offering uh, the remote option for those families that want that. So um, none of that would have happened this year without that moment in time. So that one was, was really exciting to be a part of. It was very, very gratifying. It was very, very impactful. Um, and uh, it, was, it was nice not being the district that didn't have that anymore. I have to be honest. That oh, it, was, it was painful. Definitely. And you- uh... It was painful. You know, definitely, and you position your, you know, your district in a really unknowingly positioned yourself in a really good position for uh, having to, you know, completely shut down for a period of time uh, because of COVID. So, so we we've spent a lot of time talking about you and your your uh, your leadership uh, ideas, things you've learned. Uh, who's a leader you look to that gives you inspiration? Uh, yeah, I. I you know, the, the person that I, I look up to the most as a leader and the person that has impacted my life the most is, is my predecessor, uh, John Barbini. Uh, he ran Wakanda School District for 10 years and uh, he was my boss for 10 years. And uh, I learned so much from him. And um, there isn't a day that has gone by in the last 17 years since I succeeded him that I have not thought of him in something that he taught me or something that he said to me. And that experience was so powerful and has been so powerful in my life that um, I, spare, I spend a fair amount of my time mentoring my administrators and trying to pay it forward. I feel very strongly about that. John was so giving of his time and his expertise to me um, that I, I do see a lot of our, 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 my administrators um, as sort of grand mentees of the, the great grand mentor, which was John. So I like to always end uh, this leadership podcast with a leadership quote from, uh, from someone. And today's uh, leadership quote is from John Kenneth Galbraith, who was an economist who served in four presidential administrations, FDRs, Truman's, JFK's, and Johnson. And what he said that I thought was a really good leadership lesson is, all of the great leaders have had one characteristic in common. It was their willingness to confront unequivocally the major anxiety of their people in time. This, not much else, is the essence of leadership. And I thought I think that fits, and I think it really ties in, uh, Dan, with what you were talking about with equity earlier and the work that you're uh, putting into uh, in, into your district that um, confronting those issues is a big part of, of, of leadership at the right time. So again, really want to wish you the best in retirement. And thank you again for uh, sharing with us today on our podcast. Thank you, John. I really enjoyed the opportunity. <laughs>